0: One of the bigger eye-opening things to me when joining Open Compute was how different it is than the software world trying to convince hardware vendors that it's okay to open source some of their designs. I think that what worked well in some organizations is they just look at this and they say, look, is this a differentiator for us? Is this something that really differentiates us from our competition? And if it's not, then let's get the community To work on it and let's focus on the value-added piece of the puzzle that makes us so good. All of
1: our practices, all of our governance, all of our contributions, all of our solutions are really held up to those four pillars. Are they scalable across the globe? Are they providing efficiency, whether in a process or in their metrics or in their measurement? Are they open? And then last but not least, are they making an impact? And that impact has to be on a global scale because we're solving challenges and those challenges are applicable, as we're finding out, to companies across the globe.
2: This is Simone Cicero, the host of the Bandless Conversations podcast, an ongoing exploration on the future of platforms and ecosystems. These conversations help us make sense of what's coming next with platform business models, the dynamics of marketplaces, business ecosystems, and much more. Join me, my regular co-host Sina Heikila and other guests as we explore new perspectives about how we organize a scale in a rapidly changing world.
3: Creating ecosystems around open source standards and the commons is a challenging task that has been taken strategically by many of the dominating brands of our times, such as Google with Android. For this reason, we wanted to feature an iconic project on the podcast that we often use as a yardstick when it comes to debating opportunities to develop truly open ecosystem strategies. The Open Compute Project Foundation, OCP, initiated by Facebook in 2011. Details on what OCP is and does will be shared directly during the podcast by our guests, Steve Helvy VP of Channel, and Archna Halok, Community Director at OCP. In his role, Steve helps to educate organizations on the benefits of open source hardware designs and the value of community-driven engineering for the data center. Arch now, on the other hand, is responsible for the global community and involved directly in its governance processes. In this inspiring conversation, we touch upon the topics of innovation, collaboration and industry change, and our two guests show how openness can provide solutions to an increasing set of global challenges. We explore what's needed for organizations to collaborate in an open source way, how to view competitors in the ecosystem, and how the definition of data center has changed through emerging needs for circularity and sustainability. Please enjoy the episode and don't forget to share it and give us a rating to help people find the show. Here we go with Steve and Archna from Open Compute Project.
4: Hello, everyone. So we are back at the Boundless Conversations podcast. Uh, with me, I have my usual co-host, Stina Hekila. Hello, hello. And two special uh, guests uh, from the Open Compute Project Foundation, Steve Helvey. Hello, everyone. And Archna Halock.
1: Hello, everyone.
4: Great. Uh, it's nice to be in touch again with you, um, both Steve and Archna were interviewees in our research that brought us to write the white paper that we released in November. Uh, you can find OCP in, as a case study in uh, chapter four, if I'm not wrong, something like that. It's great to have you here because as I was saying in our preparatory conversation, I always refer to OCP when I when I need to talk about uh, ecosystem strategies that really enable change and transformation in the industries where they are applied and created. And no later than a couple of hours ago, I was with a customer and uh, with a specific problem of how do you enable services, new service ecosystems on top of a shared infrastructure? And those are problems that come up very often. So the first question that I would like to ask you, I mean, of course, it's a bit of a framing of uh, what we're talking about. So maybe one of you can give a couple of uh, Uh, you know, a kind of uh, introduction to Open Compute Project. And I I would like you to, I would say, focus on the four tenets that you express on your website and the the tenets of efficiency, openness, impact, and scale. So how do these tenets uh, embody, let's say, the mission of OCP?
0: Uh, Thanks, uh, Simone. The Open Compute Project is an open-source hardware organization. And it was started in 2011 by Facebook. And at that time, Simone, they were outgrowing their infrastructure. They were still small at that time, uh, 10 years ago. And as they started to get bigger, they started to realize they were gonna have some problems with their infrastructure around uh, their compute and storage and even their, their, their facility design. So as they started to decide to build their own data centers and do their own infrastructure, um, they worked very closely with the manufacturers of, say, servers uh, and network devices. And they, they took it one step further. So once they solve these problems for their own infrastructure, they use their community aspects and open sourced those designs. So big companies working directly with manufacturers to make something special for them is not new. What is new is the open sourcing part of that. So back in... Uh, 2011, they took those designs, open-sourced them to a community, and formed the Open Compute Project around that. So we currently have uh, board members around Intel, Microsoft. Uh, At the time, it was Goldman Sachs, which was one of the original board members. Uh, They have since moved away, and Google has taken that spot. And we also have Rackspace, and there's one individual, Andy Becklesheim, who is the uh, co-founder of Sun and Arista. So within those core board members, they started the group, and now we're well over 200 companies, several thousand engineers working on common problems across the data center. And how this all works around efficiency and impact and openness and scale is around these working projects, say the 25 to 35 different working projects we have, those four tenants that you outlined embody everything that we do. So every contribution that comes through The foundation is measured on those four aspects and each group may have different definitions around what is scale and and how open something may be but that really drives everything we do and um archana would you have anything to add on the the four tenets
1: yeah just a little bit more to piggyback on so originally yes we were a hardware centric organization and a large percentage of our portfolio is still hardware centric But over the past, I would say, four or five years, as more and more companies started to join our ecosystem, um, the primary hyperscalers um, still led a lot of the concepts and ideas and innovation. But we also had innovations from companies that were coming in from the telco arena or from the edge or from some other, you know, uh, verticals. And, And that kind of, I think, broadened our scope from just being hardware centric to really providing solutions and those solutions embodied not just hardware at the core of it, but also embedded software. Um, We're starting to look at full, you know, solutions that can be deployed and readily adopted by these markets because Maybe they don't have the manpower and the you know the skill set in house to do it, and they want to get something really quickly and be able to deploy something very fast as a proof of concept. So, I think our aperture has expanded from what we originally were, um, you know, what we started with. We mi- have migrated to, like I said, hardware, software, and system firmware we have are now looking at solutions. We are now going beyond the data center. And as the data center kind of migrates outside <laughs> uh, to modular data centers, to the edge, uh, most recently to the retail, to the FinTech environment, we're starting to see the definition of a data center change. And so that, you know, those applications are now starting to come into OCP. And like uh, Steve mentioned, we model everything that we do, all of our practices, all of our governance, all of our contributions, all of our solutions are really held up to those four pillars. You know, are they scalable across the globe? Are they uh, providing efficiency, whether in a process or in their metrics or in their measurement, right? Um, Are they open? And like uh, Steve mentioned, there's degrees of openness, but the basic premise still stands, are they open? And then last but not least, are they making an impact? You know, um, and and that impact has to be on a global scale because we're solving solutions, we're solving challenges, and those challenges are applicable as we're finding out to companies across the globe, whether it's cooling, (laughs) whether it's data center, whether it's power, whether it's, you know, speed, performance, you name it. It's, you know, are we making an impact? And I think we measure ourselves and the industry is starting to measure ourselves on that impact.
4: Right. It's too much important as an industry, you know, for everything we do, uh, essentially. We are really living the age of the Internet going everywhere. And the Internet is not fake, you know, let's say uh, electrons in the air. It's computers and those computers need to be built and need to be uh, set up and need to maintain and so on. So it's a very, very important mission, I would say.
1: Yeah, and I think just this last year in the pandemic, we all of us are impacted by it, right? Uh, from our kids to our workspace to everybody, we realized how heavily <laughs> we relied on the internet, right? So I think that uh, if anything, this last year uh, spending in isolation has really forced us to to really stress the boundaries of the internet in all sorts of ways.
4: So, I hear talking about growth and also growing into new industries, new case, new use cases and uh, you also run not only this the specification process if you want, but you also run a marketplace. So, an active space where trade happens. So, my my question for you will be Besides the partnership, the sponsorships, let's say the memberships, sorry, maybe that's a more more, more clear uh, term. Besides the membership, how is this organization sustainable and how it's, it relates with the idea of growth, entrepreneurship, sales? I'm really curious to know that because, uh, you know, it's a foundation, it's technically a non-profit organization. So really, how does it work?
1: Well, let me take that and then I'll definitely turn it over to Steve because this is his uh, world. I think that what we quickly realized is having a bunch of specifications and design files are of no use unless there's products built on them they provide the first level. They provide the critical foundation that is needed. So, you know, OCP provides that platform for collaboration and all of these companies come in from all over the world. They have a challenge that they're facing and sometimes they face it in in the corporate world, but sometimes they face it in a market space or a vertical and they take off their corporate hats and they roll up their sleeves and they come and they say, okay, here's my challenge. And Uh, The community rallies around that challenge. Uh, They come up with either a specification that is done and contributed by a few group of members with feedback from the community, or they write design practices, or they write, you know, guidelines, best practices, whatever it may be. But for specifications in particular, they're they're of no use to the community unless there's a product that makes them tangible, because other than that, they're just a concept, Right. Um, So our suppliers and our ecosystem that makes those products based on open specs are absolutely pertinent and very germane to our success and to our impact. And when they make those products, we as a foundation basically just make sure that degree of openness that Steve was referring to uh, earlier. And and based on that degree of openness, we have certification marks. And at this point in time, I'm going to turn it over to Steve because my world stops there and his world is where it starts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks, Archie. The marketplace that you referred to, Simone, is not. Um, this is not a shopping cart functionality. So it's not as if OCP is getting a percentage of those sales. This is simply a marketplace where we connect members who have produced products based off of those specifications. And so one of the bigger eye-opening things to me when joining Open Compute was that uh, how different it is than the software world trying to convince hardware vendors that it's okay to open source some of their designs. They, they get very nervous about giving up IP. Um, is, and that's something Archna can talk about around the governance and what we take and what we don't take within a, within a contribution but getting those companies to contribute and participate in the marketplace and you think, well, from a customer's standpoint, what's in it for them to look at a community-based product rather than just finding my preferred vendor uh, and going from that direction? So the, the benefit to the customer is that you get the opportunity to do dual sourcing. So the best operating model of this organization is that many companies like to have multiple sourcing for their products. They also like the idea of one specification and multiple suppliers. So, maybe not some of product A, some of product B from two totally different designs. In OCP, you can have that one specification, vendor A, vendor B, and vendor C supplying those. So, you mitigate your supply chain risk. And the other thing that's in it for customers is that you can influence the roadmap itself. So you can meet with many vendors, you can share your feedback early on about, hey, here's what I need in my product, rather than having a one on one with a vendor, and then going to the other vendor and telling them the same thing and seeing which vendor meets the majority or 80% of your requirements. So what's in it for the hardware vendor. So that was the customer side, what's in it for the hardware vendor is that you get early access to markets. In many cases, we're moving faster than normal product cycles because we can get early access to the customer requirements. So the second thing that's in it for the vendors is that I get a broad set of customers. I can meet with both telcos and gaming companies and retail, and I can get a sense of, well, where do I wanna take my product roadmap? So we don't take any percentage off that marketplace. It's strictly a connection point within the membership. Uh, So the, the model is really a membership driven revenue revenue stream for
4: for OCP so basically this idea that uh, the foundation provides a, a context where the value chain can connect the users can connect with the suppliers and uh, ensure that market drivenness let's say Comes through the through the chain, so the suppliers know what to develop for their customers and so on. The only thing that I was thinking, uh, it seems that it's really related to this idea of a commodity, no? Because you refer to specification, having multiple suppliers, so essentially competition, componentization. So my question is, uh, how you see if you see this conversation for in inside the foundation on how to move beyond? the commodity space so, and you mentioned software for example what are the processes you see in motion that go more towards innovating in the industry maybe besides just making supply chains less risky there's a few
0: areas specifically i'll highlight a couple and, and archna can can elaborate on a few of these because she's intimately involved in the projects uh, On the innovation side, we have the standard projects that people are working on, say traditional networking devices, but Arshna mentioned it early on around edge. Uh, This is an area where we are, uh, the community itself is driving a lot of new designs. Uh, The aggregated edge is all the way out uh, at the telco base stations. Uh, The other one is advanced cooling. So we have uh, engineers from around the world working on the newest advanced cooling techniques within the data center facility and all of that Intellectual horsepower is coming together within the, the community. And the second, and the, the last one I would mention is around sustainability. And I'll let Archna, she's leading a, she's co leading one of the sustainability work groups here. And I'll let her comment on that.
1: Yeah. Um, to go back to uh, cooling, you know, it was a concept that was brought together by, by our European counterparts that seemed to be ahead in some ways on cooling. And um, they came to us and said, hey, we really need some design guidelines for immersion and IT gear specifically in immersion. We need to understand how other people are handling, um, you know, coal plate and or uh, door heat exchange. So what we started to do is have communities that coalesced around all of these three concepts of cooling. Um, In some cases, you had more Asia-centric team members. In some cases, you had some European centric team members. In some cases, you had a combination of both because I think immersion is starting to impact both parts of the geography. Um, And it was really interesting to see the kind of, you know, things that they're trying to come up with. They're trying to come up with material compatibility. They're trying to come up with uh, fluid dynamics. Um, And these are all things that have been dealt with in other organizations too, like ASHRAE but now we're starting to look at it from a hardware perspective and not just a pure, you know, fluid perspective and the impact of that hardware on or the impact of that fluid on hardware. So there is tremendous amounts of innovation that's happening because you have these companies that are coming together and trying to solve the challenge of cooling, right? And the cooling in an environmental sense too and in a sustainable sense. So that's one thing. The other thing that started to happen as the cooling group went underway, and this is by far our one of our largest, uh, you know, growth communities, um, is we were so centered on the rack and uh, and the equipment that we were forgetting the data center and the impact of cooling on the data center itself, on the facility, and. What? How do we take a either a brownfield, uh, you know, data center, and that's in the middle of migrating, and looking at you know immersion options or cooling options, to those that are brand new and are considering cooling as part of their ecosystem? So, advanced cooling facilities was born out of that, and we had connector guys, and we have. Um, you know, power guys and and rack guys now looking at that. So there's innovation happening now around the facility. And they're taking all of the, the learnings that they had in the advanced cooling solutions work stream and now applying it to the data center facility. So a lot of really cool things happening there. Now, sustainability is one of our newer initiatives that we established for 2021. Um, we're still trying to figure out what sustainability means to the OCP ecosystem, because every company has their own view of sustainability, and and some people talk about recycling, and some people talk about um, you know secondhand gear. Uh, some people are talking about heat reuse, right? So the it, when you say sustainability, it's such a big word, and it encompasses so much that we're still trying to distill it. There, it's breaking up into two different work streams. One is defining metrics for uh, life cycle assessment. And then the second one is around actual the life cycle of the systems and the components. Um, so they're starting to put some practice, they're getting input from companies like Facebook, Google, Microsoft. They're getting their inputs, and now they're starting to coalesce around these two work streams because those two work streams seem to have the most relevance to our community, right? Um, I think at the end of the day, they have to decide what that impact will be <laughs> to the rest of the community, and then they'll socialize it. So they've been kind of socializing it a little bit in the server group. They're starting to socialize it in the storage group and trying to learn from them and seeing what storage vendors you know, think about sustainability. Enterprise. Everyone's talking about enterprise right now, right? It's the new buzzword. Before it was the edge and, and the mist and the cloud, and now it's enterprise. Um, and so what we're starting to see is, uh, as I was mentioning before, as data center centric uh, equipment now starting to be deployed in these micro data centers in the campus environment, in branch environments, whether it's for retail or fintech or automotive or transport, you know, you've got cars that are mini data centers, you've got trains that have data centers on the side of, you know, um, of the tracks. So it all just depends on what one calls a data center. Now, it could be a container sitting in a parking lot. And that's now considered a data center, right? Those are the kind of questions that's happening around the edge, we're looking at, you know, how server requirements that were maybe used in the data center could now be deployed towards the enterprise um, what uh, connectivity solutions is it? Five G at the campus level? Is it something else? Right from an access point perspective, I think that's being explored at OCP. And then uh, they're also looking at storage in the enterprise. What does that mean? So innovation at OCP is happening in you know in so many different areas. We mentioned cooling. Um, you know, we mentioned edge. Um, enterprise is the next big thing, right? So we're talking about all sorts of enterprise-related innovations. I, I think that um, if if anything, it's nice to see a diversity of companies and a diversity of geographical scale. You know, we have different communities uh, organically coming up in countries like uh, Taiwan and Japan and China, and uh, they're kind of starting to now think ocp and, and innovation too locally so i think that it's um uh, it's happening on a on a rapid scale and uh, it's bringing us together
4: yeah that's what i was thinking when i was listening to you this idea that uh, it's kind of an accelerator of the industry like uh, you know we got we got uh, together we get together to deal with our infrastructure so we can accelerate our uh, infrastructural developments and uh, the, the other parts of the ecosystem can think about services and so on. So it's a kind of uh, amplifier of the speed of innovation in the ecosystem when something so shared exists. Because uh, when you were talking about that, I, I captured also that uh, when a new innovation comes up, it comes up already in open source, which is which is such a powerful idea that you know some something very new. Oh, it's already in the commons, so it's uh, so you don't have the IP and the things that normally would stop, you no, know, the innovation to happen. It's already shared. It's already open.
1: Yeah, I think that that's kind of uh, I think the beauty of OCP is that we don't um, create projects; they organically come up from our community. Our community comes forward with a need or a challenge, and then I think as the concept or those ideas kind of percolate amongst our community. They naturally develop into working groups and working, you know, people and companies start to rally around it and then it takes off. So we're just a, we provide a collaboration platform. We provide, you know, tools to collaborate and then we bring people to the table and then just, we don't want to stand in that way, in the way of their creativity. We just kind of let them run. And we do ask that they follow our mission, that they do make it relevant to our community, right? And so each project does have a charter that they go by. And at the end of the day, the four tenants and the charter is really what help us navigate and and move things forward.
0: We have some really bright members within the Open Compute project. And I think on the community side, and I'll quote uh, one of our members now, who is leading one of our projects, uh, Ron Minich, and he he was speaking about his particular project and and the power of open source and the acceleration that you had mentioned, is that he just said that uh, no, no one person is smarter than the rest of the world. And with that model, um, that's why he believes that open source will always win. And I was listening to one of your other podcasts on the, the gentleman from Zappos. Now, I uh, that he wasn't necessarily speaking about open source organizations, but he was talking about a network of connections internally, which is essentially what this is. It's a network of connections and about, and, and there's many many connections that happen within open compute that really may not have anything to do with OCP, but it helps accelerate other lines of business that these companies have. Because of course, there's not one company that does only OCP, they have multiple lines of business. So it's a, it's about moving the entire industry forward and then slowly nudging everybody over to open source as fast as we can.
1: We're not the only community out there, right? There are so many wonderful communities out there like Open Networking Foundation or TIP, uh, Telecom Infra Project. There's the Linux Foundation. So there's a lot of companies that are kind of working towards the same open source goal and 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 there's standard bodies out there too, right? Ashray is one, IEEE is another one. So we're kind of finding ourselves in this unique quorum where we're not a standard body, but we we don't also want to reinvent the wheel, right? So if someone else is working on something, we want to be complementary and we want to be able to enable them and then in turn enable us, right? <laughs> so it's it's a really nice um, I think coopetition slash friendly, you know, uh, the common goals, right, that we try to work together. And I think it makes it easier for everybody. And at the end, you know, the suppliers win, um, the consumer wins, the adopter wins, right? Anybody, anybody that supports that from software to, you know, hardware vendors, it's a win-win for all, so.
5: Incredible because this uh, sounds like anyone who wants to start an innovation community, this is just a dream come true. Everything is sort of happening in a self organized manner, and you take a sort of a back seat and you just enable all this innovation to happen. So, I'm curious to know what might be some challenges that you faced and like in the relationship between the organization on the one hand, you don't want to over intervene, but are there instances like when that relationship? You know, are there any challenges that you've faced that you have overcome in that process and any other elements that could be interesting to share in that relationship between the community and the organization?
1: I I can speak from my perspective and then I'm sure Steve will have his perspective, too. I, I think that we are still growing. We are still learning. Um, you know, there are things that, uh, we had to adapt to licensing is a good example. Uh, IP, as Steve mentioned, you know, people are very protective of their IP and, uh, OCP is one of the few organizations out there that doesn't own any IP. So when someone contributes a specification to OCP, they are making it open to the public. Um, we, they're not, um, Assigning any IP over to OCP, they're just making it open to the public, and they're saying, "Hey, I'm going to put this IP out there. If you use my spec as it's you know written, um, I will not assert patents. Uh, I will allow you to have it royalty free. I will have you know you can you have copyrights royalty uh, royalty free, and you have." Uh, the patent is open to you royalty free. And it's a different model than some of our sister organizations out there that work under a RAND license or other licensing. Um, and it's really hard to get you know, hardware vendors to wrap their head around contributing something openly <laughs> without any patents. Um, so that is a challenge that we, we constantly um, come up against. Once they understand it, then it's open and, and you'll see a lot of contributions come from them. But until they do, it's a long process to convince their legal teams that this is this is for the good. Uh, it also complicates things when you have multiple companies making a contribution on one spec. Um, so there, our legal cycles sometimes take a long time. Um, just to kind of get everybody to the table that is contributing. And, you know, in the interest of transparency, it's never easy to get very large organizations to come together and agree to contribute. But we've managed to do that with companies like Facebook, like Intel, like Microsoft, that have IBM, that have huge, you know, patent portfolios um, and still have contributed or have found a way to contribute and lead. So I think that that's one of the challenges that we have. Um, The other challenge is really how not to grow too quickly. Um, It's very easy to take in all of these projects and want to do everything for everyone. And the challenge that we face is we're a foundation of 10 people, Um, (laughs) if you can believe it. Um, There are 10 people that are part of the foundation, (laughs) but Having said that, we are truly standing on the shoulders of giants. I mean, we have 13, 15 people on our um, strategic IC, our incubation committee. They are 13 companies that like represent thought leadership. Right. And they're helping us take it forward. Our board members, which Steve mentioned, are helping us take things forward. Um, And then, you know, 200 plus members. Thousands of engineers that are helping us, and so all of our projects are run completely by volunteers.
4: Yes, there's a lot of contribution happening. You know, so uh, do you have an idea of how much is the the GMV that was uh, mobilized? Let's say by through uh, Open Compute. About the general market size itself,
0: the Omnia forecast: we have an analyst that tracks the Open Compute revenue, and it's being forecasted now to be close to twelve billion dollars. Uh, by 2023, now the open networking piece alone, so just the networking device, is supposed to be around right around 1.35 billion. And I've had, I've been asking some people if they think that's a conservative um, forecast or an aggressive forecast. They think it's going to be relatively conservative to hit that 11 to 12 billion, primarily because of the proliferation of of devices and um, the expansion of what a data center. Actually, is and all of the other types of components that will be open sourced in the next two years.
1: Mind you, that twelve billion does not include our board member companies.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so that's that's minus they they that analyst takes out the the numbers from Facebook, Microsoft, etc. Because they self build them. Yeah, it would be a um, yeah, it would skew the numbers slightly.
1: For those are the challenges that I faced, Stina. Uh, just from a community perspective, is managing you know the volunteers and the different companies that participate in their corporate cultures, uh, the legal, um, and growing really fast. But uh, Steve, I don't know if you have a different set of challenges that you're looking at.
0: The challenges is, is about expectations of when a when a member joins one of these communities. They uh, we've run into members that say, "Well, I'm going to join this, and then I'm going to instantly make." Uh, business contacts with the top tiered members, and I'm going to start selling them all of my products quite quickly. And so it's setting expectations and making sure that they understand the type of open source organization that we are, because there are multiple types of open source organizations all structured differently. And I recommend uh, to to the listeners out there, if you get a chance, Mozilla uh, put out a document called the Archetypes of open source and they go through all the different kinds of open source business models. And that's a good read. It's not very long. It's maybe 30, 40 pages or something like that. But they describe say a multi-vendor approach or uh, a mass market approach. And so understanding what type of organization you're getting involved in to understand the governance piece specifically is a big, big obstacle with a lot of these customers and members and Clients and end users, so it's it's a lot of education on our part to make sure that those expectations are set uh, well, because otherwise they'll they'll be eight or nine months or even a year into this organization and not realize how to get the most value out of it.
5: I've um, worked a lot in the public policy space, and it also sounds a little bit like a government's dream to be able to generate this level of impact that you're you're doing. Have you had any exchanges or collaboration with governments who are working with you or supporting you in some way, or are you (laughs) staying away from, from that?
0: I can speak to a few of the European organizations that we're working with. One is a circular economy data center research project being funded um, by the EU, but also based East London, I believe is the university that's driving this. So they were measuring kind of the embodied energy that goes into, manufactured IT. And so we're donating some hardware there so that they can see the difference in the embodied energy between an open source server and a more proprietary or closed source server. And that, that research then will be published across Europe. And that's just in the early stages. So that's in phase one of that project. There's another, um, which I'm sure some of your listeners may have heard about, which is Gaia X. Gaia X is the big European initiative for regional cloud uh, and to ensure proper federation, proper policies and governance around data used within the European Union. And that is a massive, massive undertaking. And we are members of that as well, along with um, an organization called Open UK. Now, Open UK is an organization that's started to drive open data, open software and open hardware across UK, both at the public sector level and across education and academia as well, and providing a foundation for all open source in the UK. So Gaia X is a massive organization, uh, and we have a lot of members that are members of that. And then we are, OCP itself is a member of that. And we're also a member of, say, the uh, uh, Sustainable Data Center Alliance, uh, which is a government uh, has a governmental or a public policy slant, and that's based out of the Netherlands as well. So we're we're quite active in the in the public sector initiatives in Europe.
1: In the U.S., um, not so much. I think we're more active on the academic side, um, and and therefore in the laboratories. Uh, you know, some of the laboratories that are funded uh, by the government, but not really directly part of the government. Um, I think it becomes really difficult sometimes for um, government entity to start thinking open (laughs) because everything that they do is so proprietary, but they do work with a lot of the academic institutions. And so we do have like, you know, um, Berkeley labs and we do have underwriter laboratories. We have, you know, um, Lawrence Livermore labs that come in and, and attend our events and, you know, participate in some of our projects, especially around high performance computing and you know, software defined storage, and you know things like that. So they're very interested in what's going to happen in the future. We do a future uh, technologies symposium concurrently with our uh, global summit, and that's really to address future technologies in um, in academics and and in laboratories. So IBM Research, you know, participated in that. Um, you know, Facebook uh, and their research wing. Participate in that. So, we get a lot of students and uh, a lot of academics and, and sometimes government officials that come in and want to present and talk about their RD work.
4: So, the question that I have in mind now is really about the, the process that starts from one organization wanting to do something like that, like Facebook in that case, in your case. Uh, in another space, not in this space, not becoming part of OCP, I'm talking about, you know, doing this initiative, facilitating such an initiative in another industry. And uh, when this conversation comes up with my customer, our adopters and our, you know, open source adopters in general, it's always about, you know, how do you deal with uh, uh, competition? How do you deal with the competition also with the ecosystem, not just with your actual competitors, because maybe you want to standardize um, a, a market where you already are because you want to bring more services on top, or something like that. And um, and uh, my question is really about how does the process of progressively decentralize the the organization from the members that create it and then end it over to the community within time. So how does this process work? What should an organization be ready to let go? You know, when starting such an initiative and then letting uh, uh, creating a shared governance and uh, uh, enabling a community.
1: That's a really good question, Simone. Um, I, I think that uh, for an organization like Facebook, I think it was very easy for them to let go of OCP once they had confidence that OCP could run itself. Um, they had confidence in the leadership that they appointed um, and and also in the community to take their inputs and then they would just be the guiding factor Right, So if the mission, I think, is strong enough and, um, and pointed enough in some ways, right, I think you're going to have a community that rallies around it. Then it's up to the organization to put the right staff in place and the right structure in place. Mind you, it, it has to be flexible enough to evolve. And I think that that's what Facebook and, and our board members have allowed us to do is to evolve from the data center, the traditional hyperscaler data center to evolve into other markets like telco and edge and you know, now retail um, and enterprise. There has to be some level of, of flexibility there, but they're very active. I mean, Facebook is one of our most active members um, and we're constantly relying on them to come back and help us because they're the ones that are also helping us identify some of these new markets.
0: I think that what worked well in some organizations is they just look at this and they say, Look, is this is this a differentiator for us? Is this something that really differentiates us from our competition? And if it's not, then let's get the community to work on it and let's focus on the value added piece of the puzzle that makes us so good. And and I, I go back to the OCP example, but hardware is not Facebook's differentiator. And then the other hyperscalers quickly realized that, hey, this is not our differentiator either. It's the value-added services on top. Mm -hmm. Um, The second thing that we've seen happen is that when a company just stagnates on growth, uh, they just simply cannot keep up or they cannot have the resourcing financially to keep a project or keep a service going. And open sourcing provides them that opportunity to go get additional engineering resources so all the time on github people are throwing out software projects to say all right maybe let's throw it out there and see how much interest we get out of it Um, in the hardware space it's very very different but having a company sit down and say well what can what do i give up what do i keep uh when do i hand it over all of those things uh, play into the fact of is it a differentiator do i have the resources to maintain it even if i want to keep it uh, and at the end of the day, I can probably do a lot better in a community setting than I can by myself. Um, and you've seen that with other things like Kubernetes. Uh, they, you know, Google controls Kubernetes, but it's a
4: it's a massive open source organization. Right. I was resonating your conversation with the experience that Google had with Android, for example. So it seems like not being interested in that part of the business it's a good way to start an ecosystemic alliance let's say (laughs) Uh, even if uh, android was tempted a couple of times to make smartphones but they i think they have been very uh, i would say hesitant let's say the interesting question would be for a company and what i get from this conversation for a company that actually is already maybe selling parts of this infrastructure so it's inherently involved in the market it may be to deliberately choose to go for open source and really accept that that's a commodity you you, you need let, let let it go you need to also de- develop in the open and tra- try to create this ecosystem of other players that can uh, speed up the development without you know owning your piece of the industry but more deciding to let it go and and then focus on services and other innovations so so I think uh, that's interesting if you, I don't know if you have any uh, yeah that's it uh, so, some ideas on that.
1: Yeah, I was going to say cooling is a good example. I think people have been doing cooling in some form or fashion for the last 30 years, right? Um, But they haven't been able to rally around the basic concept of cooling. Everyone's been doing it proprietarily because they think that that's where their IP is at. And I find that it hasn't gotten enough traction. But when you get a bunch of people that are trying to solve the same problem at the table, they can go off and do it independently. But if there's some baseline established amongst them that, okay, here's the baseline that we're going to operate off of and then differentiate up at the top. I think that that's where the power of open sourcing really comes in. And that's I think we're never going to solve the cooling problem all the way up the stack and all the way in the rack and, you know, all the way from end to end. But we might be able to at least get some common understanding. <laughs> and, and if we do that, we're ahead of the game already. Right. I, I feel like, you know, if we can get some industry experts to come in and say, okay, we're all going to rally around these materials or we're going to all rally about the way that we're going to use, you know, the heat from generated from the data centers, or this is the way we're going to do, you know, immersion. I think that those are, you know, there's going to be differentiation no matter what. But I think we need to have some idea of what the premise is.
4: Super. I mean, that was a crazy conversation, really. I think I'm going to refer to this a thousand times. And I would like to ask you just to close this conversation by highlighting something that you believe is really important to share with our community, knowing that there may be companies interested in pushing same approaches or Uh, in general, uh, people that are genuinely interested in how these evolutions are changing industries. So your final remark maybe, and maybe one of you can also add a couple of bits on where to find the most uh, interesting news around OCP.
0: Yeah, thank you, Simone and and Sunita for the the opportunity to have a discussion like this. So really, anytime we get a chance to share a story, um, we learn something too, uh, just by engaging people like yourself. So I think the the key takeaway is open source is extremely exciting. There is um, There's not one company out there doing the new type of architecture that's not relying so heavily on open source. And the progression from open source software to open source hardware is a natural fit. Software runs everything. You can commoditize and disaggregate the software from the hardware. And the other thing that I would... Encourage people to do is to be thinking about the circular economy. So, when you're buying a particular server, you need to make sure and you think only from the design phase all the way through to the end of life, and the ability from somebody to take that server and then get additional use out of it is the new way forward. So, this sustainability, circular economy, reuse, Europe is already putting regulations in place around embodied energy. The efficiencies that IT needs to run, the reusability, the repairability, all of these regulations are already happening in Europe. So, if you're a company out there and you're starting to think about new ways of doing architecture, new ways of doing infrastructure, you should be planning for sustainability upfront to meet these requirements. And you may say, ah, it's not a big deal. Um, I'll wait uh, for my company to really care about that stuff. If you can be at the forefront of this, you are going to be leaps ahead of everybody competitive-wise, uh, because you will have already baked these processes in when you move to an open infrastructure.
1: Yeah, I was going to echo uh, Steve's remarks here. Thank you so much, Simone and Stina, for having us here and giving us an opportunity to tell you a little bit about OCP. Um, you can find us at www.opencompute.org. Um, everything on our website is open, um, we have a contribution database that has specs that you can download. There, you don't need to be a member. You don't need to have access or passwords or anything. It's there for you. You can look at every single one of our projects. Each project has a mailing list and a wiki. You can subscribe free of charge. You can s- listen to past recordings. You can participate in the calls. Uh, we encourage everyone to listen and join and if you find value and you're ready to contribute then become a member Um, so not the other way around don't become a member first and then decide what you want to do we really want you to come in see how the community works get your feet wet um you know explore marketplace explore how we do things understand the licensing and when you're ready to contribute become a member and and you know steve and i will be here to guide you it's only 10 of us but we respond fairly fast and um you know take a look we're a global community so if you are happen to be in other parts of the world if you happen to be in mainland china if you happen to be in japan if you you happen to be in korea or europe they're starting their own communities and that's also on our website so uh, please do check us out and um you know if you have any questions you know reach out to steve or myself
0: that's um lurk and learn i think
1: is who
4: lurk and learn yeah yeah right right right. thanks so much it was such an inspiring conversation i'm sure our listeners will will be excited about this
1: thank
5: you so much i am stunned by the project
4: super you have two new fans actually i was a fan already so thank you very much thank you very much and to our
2: listeners catch up soon Thank you for listening to this episode of the Boundless Conversation Podcast. We truly hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please share this episode on social media, review our show on any major distribution platform, and don't forget to subscribe for new episode releases. Stay tuned on www.platformdesigntoolkey.com for our latest news and updates. There you can also find our free design tools, opportunities to learn how to use them, or connect directly with us to use our help in designing your platform and ecosystem strategies in these turbulent times. We also want to thank Valtamobilia Leo Sound for the Hadoop music.